What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today, we're going to talk about the Dame, Mello, CJ trio, the Trailblazers fouling way too much, and the team's opportunity to win five games in a row. Let's start with that Blazers big three you love so much with apologies to Hassan Whiteside, who is very large himself. He is not part of the Blazers' new big three. But that new big three, Damian Lord, CJ McCollum, and Carmelo Anthony, was lauded on social media and across the Blazers' digital platforms on Monday night when they combined for 80 points against the Phoenix Suns. Blazers made a Beautiful graphic to share on Instagram and Twitter. It was a headline, at least the way headlines sort of work in the modern digital age. Then a few nights later, Wednesday night, back home at the Moda Center against the Golden State Warriors, Damian Lillard had 31 points. CJ McCollum scored 30. Carmelo Anthony chipped in 17. For those of you who don't do arithmetic at very high speed, that is 78 total points. There was no graphic on Instagram. There wasn't a fun tweet about it. This is, this was less of a thing to celebrate and commemorate and more of just a reality for the Blazers. This is who they are. This is their identity. They have to have Dame, CJ, and Carmelo go, go off like this. Their chances are pretty much tied to those three scoring at a high level. They're not a particularly good defensive team. They're not truly terrible on defense, but they're not a good, they're not a good defensive team by any means. So their success is going to be largely predicated on their offense. And it's going to be those three guys who carry them. Now, this is not exactly obvious. But why I bring up the sort of 80 points in Phoenix versus 78 points in Golden State to tie this in is because it might have seemed like at the beginning of the week, like, okay, look at these guys. They're rolling. They, they've they really got a rhythm together. But by Wednesday, it was, look at these three guys. They're rolling, and we will lose almost any night that they aren't rolling. This isn't some sort of ideal vision for the Blazers' future. This is just who they are. They need the big three to shoulder the scoring load. It's more necessity than harmony. Uh, Portland averages the fourth fewest points off the bench of any team in the league. They get just 27.9 points per game from the reserves. That ain't much. Gary Trent Jr., not a scorer. Can't shoot. Anthony Simons has really, really struggled over the last month or so. Scalabissier scored in double figures against the Warriors, but he didn't play particularly well and he hasn't been a consistent option. Whoever the other guy is, if it's Hazonia or Anthony Tolliver or even Nazir Little when he's fully healthy and, ba- and should he make his way back into the rotation, that, that option isn't, isn't particularly dangerous. Kent Bazemore doesn't have big scoring nights. I thought he maybe would provide a little more offense. He certainly hasn't. Hassan Whiteside has his moments when he's very clearly their fourth best scorer. 
I think actually he's always their fourth best offensive option. He just needs a little help to get there. So the burden is always going to fall on Dame, CJ, and Mello. I wrote about this for NBC Sports Northwest, and you can read the story. Maybe you already have, and you feel like I'm repeating content. Well, I am. But in any case, I asked uh, Dame and Carmelo about this, and Carmelo did what he's done to me a couple times, and he's kind of downplayed his rhythm on the team and said, he said, you know, I just get out of the way. I let Dame and CJ do their thing, and I just kind of get in where I fit in. But Damian Lillard had a more interesting, more nuanced take. He kind of said that when Mello first got here, he was making a point of getting out of Mello's way, of saying, okay, we got to find out where he can get his points. We got to find out where, how he likes to score and what he likes to do. And then while he was making sure that Mello felt comfortable and, and what he's going to do, and, and Dame said, you know, he's a Hall of Famer and multiple-time All-Star. You, you kind of got to use what he use what he is, which is high-level score, at least, that's that's what he's best at. But then Dame said, in addition to sign, kind of making sure that Melo gets involved, that he feels the need to make sure that CJ gets involved, because CJ has, will spend, the way the roster works, the majority of his time off the ball. Other guys are going to bring the ball up the floor, whether it's Dame or Mario Hazonia or even Anthony Simons a little bit. The, almost all of CJ's minutes are coming at, in a sort of that scoring shooting guard mode, so he needs someone to, to either get out of his way and let him go like Dame does or for plays to be called specifically for him. And Dame said he's he's kind of balancing the mellow and CJ early on in the mellow uh, tenure here with the Blazers. And then he would maybe kind of look up in the middle of the third quarter and say, okay, I don't have many points. I need to get it going. I'm the best player on the floor. I need to make sure I need to bring us across the finish line. And I think it was more conscious. He had to be more conscious of that early on in the sort of mellow experiment. And now he, what Dame explained was that now that Melo's been here for a little while, he can, it, it feels smoother. It feels more natural. It's not something they've had to discuss. It's just something that they can feel out uh, because him and CJ have that long running chemistry. It's something they can feel out. And because Melo has been getting buckets for a long time, you know, 17 NBA seasons, it's been something that he's kind of fit into nicely. And while Dame noted, and I think this is an important one, and I'm glad he said it so I didn't have to. The Suns and the Warriors are bad defensive teams, so racking up big scoring nights for that trio against bad defensive teams? Not exactly super noteworthy, even if it made the Instagram feed. But it is noteworthy that this is who the Blazers, the Blazers are settling into their identity. And their identity is that those top three guys are going to need 75 plus points every single night if this team is going to be competitive. They're going to have to shoulder the load. And so far, they've done pretty well. I think this is the Blazers' formula. I don't think this is a aberration or a one-week thing or a nice little two-game stretch where they've been hot. I think if the Blazers are going to be good, going to be competitive, and going to win several games, as I teased at the top of the show, maybe even as many as five in a row, if they're going to win a bunch of games, if they're going to win even slightly more than they lose... This trio has to be the guys to do it. They're going to have to score 75 plus 80 points a night. This is their identity. This is who they are. All right, in the second segment, I want to talk about the Blazers' defense. They foul too much. It's obvious, and i got the numbers to tell you about it. Before we get there, though, I want to tell you guys about Casper. 
The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. And you can get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked MBA and using locked NBA at checkout. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-N-B-A. Terms and conditions apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from the Locked On Network at lockedonpodcast.com slash offers. Okay, so we talked the Dame, Mello, CJ trio and the Blazers' offensive identity. Now let's talk a little bit about their defense. It's not good. It's not, they're not a good defensive team. If that is breaking news to you, I am sorry, but they are not good. The 21st in the league in defensive rating, they're just a below average group on defense. They just, they're, they're small, they're Their best players aren't high-level defenders. That trio I mentioned, Dame, CJ, and Carmelo, none of them are plus defenders. Even if, I think all of them are competitive defenders, and and Carmelo has even been probably a little bit better on defense recently than um, maybe his reputation has otherwise offered him. But he's not locking people down. It's more if he's competitive one-on-one more so than he is sort of this elite defender in space. Damian Lode is a competitive defender, but he's that's not his strength. And CJ McCollum tries. He's just not good at it. It's not an effort thing. It's an ability thing. And that kind of carries through the rest of the roster. And one of the big reasons where, or big areas where the Blazers struggle is that they just foul too much. Damian Lode said they foul every 30 seconds. That is not true math-wise, but they do foul a lot. They're tied for the league worst, allowing 27.4 free throw attempts a game. Or if you like just sort of raw totals, this is the second most total free throws heading into the games on Thursday evening. The Blazers have the fourth most fouls in the league, and they are the league leaders in fouls per game. And probably most notably, they're fourth worst in opponent free throw rate. That's the measure of free throw attempts a team gets per field goal attempt. And the Blazers are one of the bottom five teams in the league in that metric. They send teams to the line a lot. It's the the fouls come for a variety of reasons. Some of them come from just bad decision making. Uh, Kent Bazemore going for a steal, Mario Hazonia tracking in the backcourt and fighting too hard for a rebound. They also come from offensive fouls occasionally. Scalabissier is good for about one moving screen a game. There's times when Hassan Whiteside will get two in a row real quickly on offensive fouls. And I think those are the things that the Blazers try to clean up. I asked Terry Stotts about this, and he, he said that he doesn't really get mad at his team for doing trying to do the right thing in situations where they're kind of um, hustling and playing hard and defending at the rim and doing those things. But the fouls where they're either not in a good position for something where it's like we want to send this guy left and instead they foul because the guy just blows by them going right. Or just things where you should know better, where you're just you're reaching in for a, a something you can't get. He's he, he says he he's talked to them about the sort of stupid fouls, the fouls that come for from being out of position or uh, reacting late to things that they see on film. Those are the ones that frustrate him. He and Terry will gets obviously frustrated if you watch him on the sidelines. You'll know when he's mad. 
But I don't want to just paint with a super broad brush. You know, there's obviously Stotts is differentiating between good fouls and bad fouls. And I think it's it's clear that not all fouls are bad. Against Phoenix, the Blazers had 12 fouls in the first quarter. They sent Phoenix to the line early and often. In Against Golden State this week, the Blazers put the Warriors in the bonus with about six and a half minutes left in the second quarter. And the Warriors, because... Um, they are not a very good team, just never took advantage of it. They could have got a parade to the free throw line, but they never really got back there. But why I talked about painting with a broad brush is because I don't think all fouls are bad. The Chicago Bulls, who are, should be noted, also not a good team, but sport one of the better defenses in the league. I think they're second in defensive efficiency in, in December and seventh overall. They have this notoriously trapping, blitzing style. They send two ball handlers to the ball. They guard way high out on the floor. They fly around. They foul more than the Blazers. They send guys to the free throw line more than Blazers, but they also force turnovers. And I think that's the problem with the Blazers. Ideally, a team with a heavy foul rate, with a high foul rate, would there'd be a risk-reward balance. You would be committing fouls, but also generating some easy opportunities for yourself on the other end, or just in general kind of um, making things harder for the other team to score. However, among the top 10 teams in the league with the highest opponent free throw rate, no team forces fewer turnovers than the Blazers. Say that one more time for you. Among the top 10 teams in the league with the highest opponent free throw rate, that is, teams that send opponents to the free throw line with the most frequency, the most regularity, the Blazers are forcing the fewest turnovers among those teams. They're just a low turnover team and a high foul team. That's not the direction you want to go. The only team that has a similar ratio to free throw rates to turnover percentage are the Knicks. The Knicks, dear listeners are maybe the worst team in the NBA. If they're not the worst team in the NBA, they are the third worst team in the NBA? Yeah, not the conversation you want to be in where we defend a lot like the Knicks. I think the Blazers have more issues than just the foul stuff on defense. I think some of the foul stuff is because of their other issues. They don't have a lot of great one-on-one defenders, so guys will get past that first line of defense, forcing a rotation. Maybe that rotation is a step slow, or you just, it's hard, you know, guys are fast in the league. Getting caught in rotations is not what you want. When you get caught in those rotations, you tend to foul. Or if you're scrambling off a couple passes off those rotations, maybe you've got a, a little guy on a big guy or vice versa. Those tend to be situations where teams can draw fouls and mismatches. So I think the foul stuff is more of a... It's a symptom of all of their issues, but you would hope that the Blazers could foul less. And since that terrible first quarter in Phoenix when they committed 12 fouls in 12 minutes, the Blazers have fouled less. They committed just uh, nine fouls the remainder of the game against Phoenix. They committed just 21 against Golden State on Wednesday. This is an incredibly small sample size, and I'm not suggesting that this is them turning the corner, but I want to say that they are capable of it. 
the Suns are a really good offensive team, and even without Devin Booker on the court, I the Blazers were able to defend them at least moderately successful enough in the final three quarters and not send them endlessly to the free throw line. The Warriors play fast and kind of chaotic, and the Blazers, for the most part, kept them off the free throw line, particularly in the fourth quarter. These are probably a meaningless seven quarters to really point out, but they are capable of it, and it's the direction they have to head if their defense is going to get a little bit better. They're not going to become a high-turnover team. That is not on the horizon. Terry Stotts' teams have never been that. But they have been pretty good defensive teams while not forcing a ton of turnovers because they force teams to take the shots they want and keep teams off the line and, and get defensive rebounds. Right now, the Blazers are not checking a lot of those boxes. And I think the foul stuff is key for them. Defending without fouling will be crucial heading into the final two-thirds of the season. All right, in the third segment, I want to talk about the Blazers' opportunity to win five games in a row. It's real. It's right in front of them. Can they do it? Before we get there, though, I want to tell you guys about Breaking Tea. If you were looking for a last-minute fun sports gift for the holidays, go to breakingtea.com slash locked on. Breaking Tea, that's the letter T. Make sports t-shirts around teams' passion moments. Great for all fans. Go to breakingtea.com slash locked on, and then feel free to search the site for great t-shirts and fun sports gifts. All right, welcome back. Still locked on Blazers. Still Mike Richmond. Still past first point guard. We talked about the Dame Mello CJ trio. We talked about the Blazers' propensity to foul a whole lot. Now I want to talk about the opportunity that's in front of them. The Blazers beat the Suns without Devin Booker on Monday. They beat the Golden State Warriors, who aren't good, on Wednesday. And guess what? They've got an opportunity against more sub-500 teams in their own building heading into a two-day Christmas break. That means three games, three winnable games on the schedule. The Blazers can maybe, just maybe, find themselves the proud owners of a five-game winning streak and a 500 record? Is it possible? Yes. Is it, is it likely? It is probably a coin flip. But I want to look at the game against Golden State as kind of a measuring stick for where the Blazers are. That game was ugly. They never could pull away from the Warriors. They actually never led by double digits until the final buzzer. They just they couldn't create space. I don't think they were ever in real trouble of of losing the game. Like they were never down big enough where you're like, well, the Blazers are going to lose unless they stage a stage a big comeback. They just never could pull away from a bad team. The Suns game, the Blazers needed the final minute and a half and some calls that went in their direction in the in the final 10 seconds. To kind of steal that one. Those wins over Phoenix and Golden State weren't pretty, but I guess my larger point is who cares? Style points do not matter for a team of the Blazers' caliber. The Blazers need wins. They need wins in mid-December to get to January. So, while I think the 
trends that I pointed out in the first two segments, the scoring load from their three stars. I think that's a type of thing that has to continue. While the fouling too much is a troubling issue that I think they need to wipe out, I don't know that the Blazers need to do anything other than than grind out some ugly wins. Their path to the playoffs, and maybe we'll talk about it at a future date, whether chasing that last couple of playoff spots is pretty valuable, but I know that the team wants to do that, so that's that's where they're headed, even if you think it's the wrong direction. But their path to the playoffs has to be winning ugly games against bad teams, finding ways to win. If you commit too many fouls and steal a win against the Orlando Magic, great. If Dame, CJ, and Carmelo have to score all 115 points for you to beat the Timberwolves on Saturday, great. If the Pelicans just don't show up on Monday and you win the game by forfeit, great. Take it. I think there's stuff to be learned from the trends. There's there's good habits that you can build at this point in the season. But the Blazers aren't good enough to be worrying about good habits or playing the right way. They just need to grind out a win any way they can get it. So I think the win over Golden State, uh, a couple people on press were, were saying that was one of the worst games they watched heading out of Moda Center there. Uh, it's, oh, it's awful. Look at um, the Blazers giving up a wide-open dunk to Eric Paschal with a minute left. Like, they're, they're a mess. It doesn't matter if they're a mess. They won the game. The roster is likely to look very different in a couple months. Not drastically different, but different. We can count on it looking different. I think they will make a deal of some to some extent or sign someone with um, the roster spot that they have available. So right now, as currently constructed and as flawed as the roster is, they just got to find a way to win these games. A five-game winning streak would be monumentally important. And listen, I'm not someone who generally makes predictions. But I, talking with a friend last night, I said, what's the likelihood of the Blazers? Like, what probability would you give me that the Blazers win three in a row? They get to 15 and 16 heading into Christmas. I said 500 before 15 and 16. I forgot about that Denver loss. Sorry. Bad math. And I think the number we came to is about 0.51, like a, a coin flip. Slightly, slightly more likely, give them the, about a two to one chance to win all those games. Timberwolves have lost eight in a row. They may or may not have Carl Anthony Towns available on Saturday. Pelicans are seven and twenty-two, and the Magic, despite looking very much like a playoff team in the Eastern Conference, are twelve and sixteen. They're four and ten on the road. These are winnable games. Blazers don't need style points. They need victories. So for someone who doesn't make predictions, I'll say that I don't think the Blazers go 3-0 over these next three to, to stretch their winning streak to five. I think they go 2-1 and one somehow. And I kind of think at some point we'll look back at the December stretch where the Blazers played a bunch of bad teams at home and say, well, good thing they went. 10 and 5 
save their season or we'll say, too bad they went seven and eight and couldn't cash in because things get harder. They got to take care of business now. Any way they can. That's going to do it for today's episode. Appreciate you guys listening. Do me a favor, tell your friends about this podcast. They can find it wherever they already get podcasts. That's Google, Apple, Stitcher, and Spotify. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.